To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah. Look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just. You're going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin fucking D. Too much. That's what we're going for. I'm like Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? We can't do this anymore, Auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. Almost like it never existed. But it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go yourself. Like, subscribe, wherever you may find me. Again, find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, TikTok. I haven't even, I have, I'm on there, but I haven't posted anything on there, uh, but I'm on there. So if you want to send me a message, don't send me dirty links, please. Um, YouTube, positive sarcasm, positive sarcasm podcast, and of course the all new positive sarcasm reactions. Uh, just dropped a new one on that channel yesterday, so go ahead and check that out. Hyper, hyper, you're pretty and I like ya. Wanna move you? Uh, that one uh, by Eskimo Cowboy. So that was post that uh, I think that dropped about a year ago. But that reaction is available on my new YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm Reactions. And if you want to email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Questions, concerns, comments, posing music inquiries, movie review recommendations, uh, article recommendations, questions for me personally or professionally, whatever, uh, health and wellness, uh, financial, whatever you name it, anything like that, you can hit me up or you can uh, email me through my website, positivesarcasm.com. Click on the contact section and you can give me all your information there. I don't need all. I don't do anything with that information. Uh, I'm not a data miner. So just ask me questions or comments and you can also donate on that area, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. And uh, you can go ahead and support this channel that way or hit me up through my Venmo app, Venmo app. Um, and of course, if you want to support it in another cool way, you can go check out the Weeble app. I have a Weeble affiliate. Weeble is like Robin Hood, only better. And um, you can support this podcast, support this entire channel, and support this entire venture by going using that Weeble affiliate link in my contact section. You'll get some free stock, and I will get some free stock. So everybody wins. Uh, speaking of Weeble, I wanted to just jump right into uh, first thought I had of the day regarding what well, Weeble, if you know, is a stock trading, an, uh, an online stock trading app that you can use on your phone, on your tablet, and on your desktop. And it's a little more intuitive. Well, not intuitive. It's a little more detailed than Robinhood was. Robinhood felt like it was a beginner's casino, whereas Weeble is a, a little more... There's a little more data going on. It, it, it's not as, you know, you sold something and then you're going to jump all over the next thing and you're going to sell it the next day. It's not as friendly to super swing tradery type shit. Um, but it is a very good app and it allows you to pace yourself so that you can invest or not lose all your money. Believe me, when it comes to the stock market, it's very easy to lose your, all your money. But the big craze this week that people are kind of talking about and uh, former mayoral, excuse me, 
former gubernatorial candidate of California, Kevin Pathrath. Uh, you can also find him uh, on YouTube, also known as Meet Kevin. He was talking about uh, this. He talks about crypto a lot and things like that. And the idea of the thought of Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu is also a dog. Shiba Inu is also a cryptocurrency. Now, like Dogecoin, which is also known as a meme currency, Dogecoin, when it first started out, was worth next to nothing. It was worth next to nothing. And now it's like 25 cents to the dollar. So that's pretty cool. So imagine if you if you invested in Dogecoin at 0. 0.0006 and now you and you put $100 into it and now it's worth 20 cents, literally just a couple of years later, well, your house in the Hamptons just got really affordable. It got really doable. Well, now there's a new stock that just came out. And bear with me for a second. I'm going to try to stretch this out, just kind of make this idea open up to you. So it's called Shiba Inu, if you haven't heard of it. And it's listed uh, as SHIBUSD. So that's its stock symbol. Now, in case you haven't noticed, according to my Weeble screen, which I'll pop up right now, there we go. Shiba Inu just about in early September was trading around point. See if I can count the numbers here. Point. It was zero point zero 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 zero. I think there's one more zero. Five one two cents per share. That's what it was worth. Basically worth infinitely nothing. Literally infinitely nothing. And what's that? Well, that's pretty cool. So over the course of Shiba Inu's entire career, let me see if I can collapse that a little bit. Is that all of it? Let's do it's five year max. Actually, let's do a twenty year max. When was that? It was two thousand August two thousand nineteen. Okay. So for the since July of 2021, it was trading at less than that, even that crazy number. Zero, it was at five zeros, 512 cents per. And then, so just like Doge, it was worth nothing. This is based off the uh, Ethereum platform, and they have some, and there is actually, it's not an unlimited amount, unlimited amount of this currency. But let me just get to the point of this. From that number, it quickly jumped up to before it sold off about, I don't know, 40% of that initial jump, it it's, was at 0. 0.000340. So that's like a 100%, what's actually, if it was at 0. 0.10, it's like a 300% jump from point, from whatever that number it was. So that's 300%. So if you bought at 0.5 at the 0.5 and sold at the 0.3, you made a shit ton of money, whatever it was. But look, let's take this for example. This thing is worth less than a penny. Less than a penny. Far less than a penny. Now, the question is, is it worth it to buy? Well, what's your initial investment? When you really think about it, you think about your initial investment, okay? If you see a penny on the ground, do you pick it up? Okay, maybe you don't. If you see a quarter on the ground, do you pick it up? Maybe wash your hands later? If you see a dollar on the ground, do you pick it up? Most likely. If you see $5 on the ground, do you pick it up? Definitely. Now, here's the kicker. What if I told you that penny you picked up on the ground, picked up off the ground? Say that, you know that penny that you picked up? That you, okay, actually. The penny that you didn't earn. That penny that you didn't pick up one year ago, when you walked back to it, was worth $5. Would you have picked it up then? If you literally had to do nothing but pick up that penny and put it on the shelf for a year, and it all of a sudden turned into $5, would you do it? What if it turned into a dollar in one year? Would you do it? And you literally had to do nothing but pick it up and put it on the shelf. If that penny was worth 50 cents, would you do it? You get my fucking point here? I'm saying, what if there was 
I don't know, 250,000 pennies sitting on the ground. I mean, it'd be quite the shelf you had to put them on. But what if all those uh, 250,000 pennies turned into $1 bills? Two years, one year or two years later. Would you make an effort to pick it up? What I'm telling you is the very idea that something could be to the point where, well, I guess I could buy 250 to 1 million shares of something for as little as 20 to $30. And the mere thought, I mean, a joking thought that that 20 to 30 bucks that I threw in something one or two years later may just may turn into a quarter million or a full one million or two million dollars is it possible is it well you say to yourself no it's stupid come on you can't do that well let's look at dogecoin let's go over to the doge and see what that thing looked like uh, in five years okay so in March 6th of 2021, it was at 0 .04, 0 .04, yeah, 0 .04, let's go back even farther. Yeah, that's about as far back as I can go, 0.04 cents per share. Okay, 0.04 cents per share. And then by May 5th, by, by the 5th of May, by the 8th of May, excuse me, it was at 74 cents a share. It was as high as 74 cents a share. It has drifted down significantly, but it's still around 24 to 25 cents a share. So, and let's look at that number here. This is 0.74. This is 0.04. It was worth way less than that when it first got started. Dogecoin, when it first got started, was worth nothing. Nothing. Okay. So the fact that you could put 20 bucks or 100 bucks into that nothing coin and then all of a sudden whatever that turns into, it's a basically a minimal investment. A minimal investment. So if you have $20 or $30, literally that's one full tank of gas that you'd have to go without to make an initial investment on something that were, is worth so little right now, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it to just take that 25 to $30 or even $100 if you have it and just throw it all in this coin that's worth infinitely nothing, that is so microscopic at this point that why would you even, why would, why would, people would make fun of you. I own, you know, 2.5 million shares of this thing that's worth nothing. So what? That you bought it. Somebody else is going to buy it. And then somebody else is going to buy it. And somebody else is going to buy it. People paid tr trade penny stocks every single day. Hundreds of thousands of shares. Millions of shares. So you realize when enough people buy it, and if it has a limited supply, then it definitely does go up. And we proved that today. For sure. Over the weekend, over this, the course of this week, Chiba Inu went apeshit crazy. Now, has it gone to the moon yet? No, most certainly has not. But it definitely has taken root in the ground. Definitely has taken root in the ground. So why would... And here's the thing. When Weeble starts offering it, then people are like, cool, it's worth next to nothing. Let me throw 100 bucks at it or 20 bucks at it and just let it sit there. Okay? I mean, when you look at... Apple stock back in 2002 was worth $6 a share. Why don't you go ahead and take a look at Apple stock now and get back to me on that. If you put $1,000, $1,000 in Apple stock back in 2002, that was only 19 years ago. 19 years ago. Imagine if you were just graduating high school. You know? Just graduating high school. And you put that money in there. What would your life be like now? significantly different and i'll tell you you wouldn't have any fucking debt that's for sure but we're talking about something that's infinitely next to nothing as far as its initial value so why wouldn't you put 20 bucks on it just to see 
what takes place in the next year or so. I did have an initial thought, but I just completely lost it. But, it, oh yeah, here it is. People start, it's available on Weeble. So it's going to have, it, it's like, uh, you know, Weeble's like another channel. Now everybody get, who's on that channel gets to watch this show. Well, now it's on Weeble, so everybody gets to trade this Shiba Inu token. Now, let's face it, people can sell it. People buy in. It goes really high. They decide to cash out. Because maybe they made their money. But the idea that this thing is so ridiculously cheap, let's say it doubles tomorrow or doubles in a, in, a, in a month from now, from 21 to 41. Okay, so your $25 initial investment is now worth 50 bucks. Should you cash out? That's up to you. Or you could just leave it in because it's still worth next to nothing. So what if somebody else comes along and says, I'm going to buy, instead of your 2 million tokens, your 2 million uh, 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 shares, which is worth, which is basically like $25. I'm going to put in 500. Okay. What happens then? Well, it increment it incrementally will get bigger as long as people hold, which more people will continue to do when it gets more exposure. It's now available on Weeble. Is it available on Robinhood? Is it available on Coinbase? Is it available on eToro? Is it available on all these other apps? Can you trade it through E-Trade, Ameritrade, all these other cryptocurrencies? Can you trade it on, on Uphold? Once it starts being becoming available on all these other platforms that people have access to trading crypto or trading stocks on, you're going to see a lot more initial buys and sells. Oh, more likely, more buys than anything. So, and then podcasters and crypto junkies and YouTubers start hearing about it. They start talking about it. Once they start talking about it, more people start hearing about it. They go online. They see the price of it, and they go, that's it? Well, okay. Well, I saw what happened with Dogecoin. I, we all remember what happened with, with Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, not long ago, and now look what it's worth. Bitcoin is worth almost is, is worth well over $50,000 per per share of it. Each coin, over fifty grand. Ethereum, over three grand. So, getting my point here, it starts getting all these platforms. The YouTubers and the podcasters start talking about it. And then the small news agencies start talking about it. And then the mainstream media starts talking about it. Now everybody's talking about it. By the time they start talking about it, it's borderline already too late. Because as long as this, as long as this token, this coin, has a limited supply and some of it gets burned, its value is going to go up because more people are buying into it. That's just how things work. The more you buy of it, the less their supply is, the more value it has. But it's only at 0. .00000 cents a share. Even at freaking one penny... Even if it was only one penny, if this Shiba Inu coin was only worth a penny, it, if its value was one American penny or one Canadian, it would still be ultra cheap. You could still buy a dollar of it and have a hundred and, and a hundred have a hundred Shiba coins. Okay. Then you look at it. You you stop looking at it as Shiba Inu and you start looking at it as Doge. So it's like, all right, well, I buy it. If, if you bought it at 0. .00021, well, would you buy it at one penny? By the time you buy it at one penny, the people underneath are just sitting there wondering what they should do, whether they should buy, whether they should sell. But the idea that if you have the spare cash, I'm just, look at it this way. This could be a complete joke. Dogecoin is a joke. Elon Musk it made a, a joke about the whole thing. It's still worth 25 cents a coin. So, if you bought at this time, you could make a lot of money. But the initial investment here is so, so little. Do I think it's going to go up? Do I think it's going to skyrocket? Well, define skyrocket. Do I think it could make it to, to uh, a penny or more? Yeah, I do. I'm optimistic on it. Oh, I don't see any reason, even with the, chi uh, the Chinese being all dickbags, about their uh, restrictions on crypto trading, I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I think it's an I think it's a uh, deflationary 
I, I could see it possibly as it may not be a deflationary coin, but it could be a coin that helps with with it with inflation because it's another place to put your money. So it, it's it's possible it could be, if not actually used that way, maybe seen that way. Totally possible. Um, people are using other cryptocurrencies for the same reason. Now, like anything else, crypto can cr can crypto can crash just like the market can crash, and sometimes, generally, they crash together. Um, even gold, which is like you know supposedly the backup plan, that crashed too with the stock market. So, should you buy into it? If you've got 25 bucks, if you've got 30 bucks, if you have a full tank of gas that you could throw into this thing right now, as it sits at 0.000021 cents a share, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? When you think about it, if you have that much, if you buy that, you will have over a million shares. If you put $30 into Shiba Inu right now, considering if you, by the time we listen to this, it's at 20 something, then you should have like a million of the coin. And if you have a million of the coin, there's a possibility that this thing takes off and becomes worth like two cents a share or three cents a share or 10 cents a share. It could change the world. It truly could. Only time will tell. But your initial investment is next to nothing. And if the world decides to run with it, for whatever reason, and another thing about this, if she, if people are buying Shiba Inu, they're not buying Facebook, they're not buying Twitter, they're not buying Amazon, they're not buying AT and T, they're not buying uh, uh, Apple. They're not. I mean. Don't, that's the thing. Those are publicly traded companies. They want you to buy and hold their stock. But you're not buying them. You're not taking that 250 bucks and putting it into Apple or, or, or Facebook stock. Instead, you're putting it into this stupid token that is worth absolutely nothing instead of doing that. So, in my opinion, I don't see it as a bad thing. If you prefer to buy... Shiba Inu, it's only going to cost you 20, 30 bucks to just at least get in the game. And if you bought, if you buy around now and this thing managed to get to a penny, you could make a ton of money, a life-changing amount of. Money. So my suggestion to you: fuck it, do it. Why shouldn't you? I mean, if you were able during the stock market crash to buy uh, of March 2020, you were able to buy MFA at 30, 32 cents a share. Well, go look at the stock price now. It's worth well over four. And that was just a little over one year ago. Imagine the amount of money you would make then. No, I'm just... If you got the initial money there... this For this one, you don't... I mean, if you had uh, $100 to put into MFA, that's one thing. This is going to cost you 25 30 bucks. So, take advantage of it when it's available to you. Okay. That, those are my thoughts on Shibu Inu. Uh, like I said, the uh, stock ticker under the cryptocurrencies is known as SHIBUSD. So check that out and use my affiliate link uh, in the contact section of my website. Uh, just go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the uh, con click on the contact section. There's a Weeble affiliate link, and that will that will most likely get you some free stocks that'll get you in the game with some easy money so that you can go and be silly in the stock market. Um, in the meantime, I did want to switch to an article that maybe will will turn into something, and if, or maybe not. Who knows on this freaking podcast? Like I said, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any matters appreciated. But I did want to get to one more article before we move over into the Q&A session and close up shop for this week. Like the first week of October? Kind of, sort of. Anyways, so here we are. Courtesy of the Atlantic by Marina Corinne. Let's see if uh, this article bears fruit for. Anyways. Oh, by the way, I we are recording here from the Sandbox in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. And um, 
hand all over the floor, and we are listening to some lovely coffee house jazz. This is um, this is kind of my life right now. Um, trying to relink up with everybody uh, to to see how they're doing and how their perception of me is, and since I've I've been down here and just uh, thank you to everybody who has allowed me to get to this point. Uh, it's very very appreciated. Um, it's still a lot of fun. Um, there are a lot of challenges being down here and a lot of concerns that I have overall between just me and Chase's lifestyle. But, um, let me give him a little pin on his head. But, uh, we're working through it. We're working through it. I'm fighting, you know, random computer issues and uh, just, you know, standard life every single day. But it's been a blessing being down here. But I've already talked about that in last week's podcast, so we'll continue on. According to The Atlantic, and I already know this, The Moon is Leaving Us and We Can't Stop It uh, by Marina Corin. So, The Moon is Drifting Away From Us. Each year, our moon moves distinctly, inexorably farther from Earth. Just a tiny bit, about an inch and a half, a nearly imperceptible change. There is no stopping this slow ebbing, no way to turn back the clock. The forces of gravity are invisible and unshakable, and no matter what we do or how we feel about them, they will keep nudging the moon along. Over many millions of years, we'll continue to grow apart. By the way, uh, we Earth is only going to be in ha- only going to be habitable for about a few billion more. So, keeping up with that, let's keep going. Given uh, over many millions of years, we'll continue to grow apart. Given this rather melodramatic description, you might wonder, don't you have better things to think about than the moon? Well, no, not really, because I'm a space reporter, and it's my job to contemplate celestial bodies and write about them. (laughs) Anyways. And also because a representation of this phenomenon recently played out in China during festivities for the Mid-Autumn Festival, which marks the the full moon closest to the equinox. A giant balloon designed to resemble the moon, craters and all broke free and rolled into the street. Video footage of the unscripted moment shows two people running after the massive moon as it tumbles away. The moon used to be closer when it first formed. It was about 4.5 billion years ago. Molded out of the rocky debris that had been floating around Earth. The moon orbited 10 times nearer to the planet than it does today. The debris, scientists believe, had come from a collision between Earth and a mysterious Mars-sized object. Fresh out of the cosmic oven, the moon was hot and molten. Ooh. Glowing red in the night sky. Back then, scientists say the moon was moving away at a rate of about 8 inches per year. Our planet and its moon were always going to grow apart like this. The gravity of moons, small as they are in comparison, can still tug at their planets, causing the larger worlds to bulge outward a little bit. On the ocean-covered planet like ours, the effects show up in shifting tides. The moon pulls at our oceans, but the oceans pull back making the moon speed up in orbit. And, quote, if you speed up while orbiting Earth, you are escaping Earth more successfully. So if you orbit from a farther distance. So you orbit from a farther distance. According to James Donahue, a planetary scientist at JAXA, a Japan's space agency. Explain to me, scientists refer to this phenomenon as a lunar retreat. Delightful term, as I'd prefer to imagine the moon enjoying itself at a relaxing getaway, bending its rocky body into various yoga poses rather than slowly ghosting Earth. Scientists have measured the retreat, re, this retreat by beaming lasers and at mirrors at Apollo astronauts left, the mo- left on the moon. Using that data... Oh, so they did go to the moon? Oh, I thought that was all a hoax. The rate of the lunar retreat had shifted over the years. Spikes had co- coincided with significant events, such as bombardment of meteors on the moon and fluctuating ice ages on Earth. The constant retreat had influenced Earth beyond the ebb and flow of its tides. Beep, 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 beep. The forces that draw the moon away from us are also slowing down planet's rotation. The planet's rotation, stretching out the length of our days. In the beginning, in the beginning, when the moon was cozying up to us and the earth spun faster, a day lasted just four hours. At the current rate of lunar retreat, (coughs) it would take about COVID. It would take about a century or to tack on an extra two milliseconds or so to the length of the day. The moon is expected to continue drifting this way for the very scientific measure of forever. 
And despite the premise of an upcoming action movie called Moonfall, which looks pretty fucking sweet, by the way, hopefully Roland Emmerich doesn't screw this one up, it's not going to smack... I think Halle Berry's in it. And uh, it's not going to smack into us either. Either? Either? Someday, about... About 600 million years from now, the moon will orbit far enough away that humankind will lose one of its oldest cosmic sights, polar solar eclipses. The moon won't be able to block the sun's light as it casts its own shadow onto Earth. Unless we use rockets to push it back into orbit. Yes. But the moon will remain bound to Earth, looking out onto a very different, much hotter version of the planet as oceans start to evaporate. Oh, this is, yeah, we'll be gone by then. Of course, a few billion years after that, the sun will de derail the moon entirely, and Earth, too, when it runs out of fuel, expands, and engulfs the inner solar system in a spectacular act of star, uh, act of star death. Uh, okay, is this her... Oh, this is her, uh, her her swan song to this article. This weekend, I looked through a telescope for the first time into a much calmer solar system. I didn't know it was aggravated. I know, right? Some space... Uh, shut up. A neighbor had set one up on the, my building's roof, and I tried to pay attention as he explained this different lenses and their amplification capacity. But I was too excited, thinking only, let me see. I had the, seen the moon just as a bright, two-dimensional orb in the sky with dark spots that play tricks on our brains, making us see familiar patterns where none exist. People have inter interpreted these glyphs in many ways. A human face, a silhouette rabbit... What has the moon seen in us? The moon has been observing the Earth close up longer than anyone. Uh, so she's kind of she's kind of blah 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 blah. So I wonder what happens when uh, my neighbor swiveled his telescope across across the sky. Uh, there was Jupiter and its twisty bands. What's her final thoughts here? I'm just curious. There was Saturn, a perfect ball, and it's right. She's just she's just describing what she sees with the telescope. The experience of distances from our families from a time of relative normalcy had already tormented many of us enough. Better to focus on the little image in the lens on seeing the moon properly for the first time. It may be wishing Earth a very long goodbye, but it was nice to say hello. Oh, hello. Marina Karen is a staff writer at the Atlantic. So she's kitschy, dry humor, but good enough. Decent enough article. So yeah, the Earth is spinning like a motherfucker. The moon is spinning like a motherfucker, and eventually it's just going to spin away from us. Uh, it's going to take a couple million years. We may, if we don't all kill each other first, um, see it actually kind of disappear on us. Probably have a base on there, but enough. We should have had a base on that freaking place like 30 years ago, but who the hell knows what's going Um. So, yeah, there there is that. So, is it going to continue to affect our lives? Yes, it will. It, it basically, the... the, the the universe is spinning away from itself. It's basically, it's rapidly expanding. Now, what happens when it's rapidly rapidly expanding is there is the fabric of space and time that is stitched together. And as these things, these planets, these stars, these molecules, these atoms stretch, they're going to eventually, the, the fabric is being, getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Eventually, that fabric of space will start to rip as planets start to decay and um, atoms or carbon units start to break down, the moon, the, the, the Earth, will start to rip apart. It will literally, the molecules that make us healthy, the molecules that make the ocean, the molecules that make the ant animals will start to decay and it will start to disappear. And then the rock that is essentially together will also start to rip itself apart. It will just tear itself to pieces. But this will be for another few billion years. And at that point, maybe we'll have some technology to prevent something like this from actually happening with like maybe like making our own little black hole. Or not our own little black hole, but maybe actually like making our own big bang per se and being able to regenerate the energy needed to start our own galaxy i mean it's possible it's it's totally possible however if the moon is leaving us actually it is since the moon is leaving us i there are a couple names that should actually if it is leaving us here's a few names that it can take with it starting off with Wendy Williams. 
I don't know what she's on about or how the fact she still has a fucking TV show, but I don't know how this show is on TV when you actually look at the crowd, which is probably consisting of free tickets, and there's six people in the crowd with masks on. Six people are allowed in the building, and they all have to wear masks. So I don't know how entertaining that is, and I don't know who's actually watching it, and quite frankly, the people that are watching it in the audience probably have some issues or are freeloaders the people who are watching at home i mean whatever happened to just good old-fashioned like general hospital and bullshit television i mean this is bullshit television but this bullshit tell this bullshit television they're talking about real issues it, well real issues some of them shouldn't be real issues but they're making real issues out of out of issues and now all of a sudden these people have a say like, for example, that demon Joy Behar in that dumbass show, The View, which says it's a new show, but it's not a new show. It's like a columnist show. No, it's fucking propaganda. These women are idiots. Or evil geniuses. But Joy Behar is definitely a demon. Back in the day, she that, that show used to be about blah, 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 you know, four ex-fucking uh, mother-in-laws. Now it's like all of a sudden they, they set it up so they actually talk about the issues in a way that's... No, they're, 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 it's a useless show. It's a useless show that demonizes anybody that they don't agree with. So, Wendy Williams can be on that fucking moon as it leaves us. Joy Behar and the cast of The View, they can set up a studio right on that planet, that moon as it drifts away. Another borderline fucking riot-inciting piece of shit is Don Lemon. Don Lemon is, is at this point... With his, he's not even a he's not even a journalist. He's not even a journalist. He's not a journalist. He's not a news anchor. He's not a columnist. He's literally just on that show talking shit. And I don't mean talking shit in like a Joe Rogan way, which he talked shit about Joe Rogan. Like, I mean, first of all, why would you make why does it make any sense? You all of a sudden bring on uh Cuomo to talk shit about Rogan. When you know very well his lifestyle and how well he takes care of himself and his successful treatment of COVID, but and you don't have a title. You just are an employee at CNN who gets paid way too fucking much, and because you think you're black, gay, and vaccinated, you have a free pass to shit on anyone that CNN tells you to. Because you all of a sudden won the equality battle? Are you Jewish as well? Please just let me know what other else of the oppressive ladder that you are currently a part of so that you can just shit on anybody you want and think you have no fucking repercussions all, all together. You're just an asshole. At the end of the day, take it all away. You're just a dick. You're just a dick who is now, at this point, when you say we should leave them behind, we shouldn't allow them into hospitals, anybody who doesn't agree with my health, health guideline viewpoints... We should leave them behind. We shouldn't let them into public places. We shouldn't allow them to do it. Can't go into a grocery store. Can't go onto a golf course. Can't go into a hospital. Can't come into a restaurant. Can't do anything. No, you're just, you're dumb. You're dumb people. You're making the world a worse place. We ought to leave them behind. Leave them behind where? It's 100 fucking million Americans plus the rest of the globe. Where are we going to leave them? Oh, well, okay. So maybe like the Jews will... We can't leave them behind, so let's just kick them out of the country. Well, where are they going to go? Fuck it. Let's just kill them. So, basically, Don, 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 if you're paying, if you actually pay attention to the bullshit you're saying, you are now teetering on the line. This is how freedom of speech works. This is how the First Amendment works. You have the liberty to say whatever you want about how you feel and your thoughts on a matter. You can say, you can basically say, you don't like a particular race. You don't like a particular religion. Now, stupid things, in my opinion. There's no reason to not like a race or a religion. Tell that to the Finnish people, who are fucking completely racist about everything, and the Chinese don't like the Philippines or the Taiwanese, and the South Koreans hate the Japanese or something. I don't know. You guys, fig you, you Asians figure out your own racism. Don't talk to me about that shit. I don't want to hear about it. I got my own fucking problems. But the idea that you, when you say that you, we ought to leave this group behind, what does that say? When you say you don't like a particular group, that's freedom of speech, whether you like it or not. It's freedom of speech. It is the freedom to say whatever you want. 
Can there be consequences if you say something on it while you're like on the job or something like that and it hurts their bottom line, which it never does. It never does. Companies have plenty of money, okay? They're the biggest assholes of all. But the freedom to speech say whatever you want. Here's the difference. And this, I know this very well from family history, recent family history with a member of my family. You could have neighbors or a newspaper or a propagandist website or a, or a town council say that they don't like you for whether they don't like your haircut or the fact that you have uh, eight days of, uh, of Hanukkah. They can say that. It's a mean thing to say. It's a pointless thing to say, but they legally have the right to say it. It's fine. You combat bad information and bad character with good character. That's how you build a nation. That's how you educate people, by debating them, by making them see, not forcing them to see, but letting them see the light that you offer to shine in the situation. However, it stops being freedom of speech, Don Lemon, when you stop speaking your mind and you start saying, we need to get rid, we need to leave these people behind. We need to get rid of these people. We need to get them out of the way so we can we accomplish our agenda. We need to move these people out of our society. We can't allow them to be in our restaurants, on our sidewalks, on our highways, in our voting. Uh, we can't allow them to have a right, a right to vote. We can't allow them to register cars. Well, if we can't allow them little by little by little to do things like play in the NBA or to go to work for the federal government or to go work uh, uh, at a hospital or go or to go to work at fucking TGI Fridays or to start their own business. Well, what else, Don Lemon, are you going to do with them? You've already taken away everything else but their life. That's the only thing you have left at this point. So at that point, you might as well pull the trigger. Because that's what you're doing. You're now at the point where you're saying we ought to leave this. This is the steps that you're taking. We ought to leave this. We ought to leave them behind. Well, you're now cro starting to cross a line that's called incitement. Incitement is not protected in the Constitution. Incitement is the abs as the a absolute opposite of freedom of speech. You can say how you feel. But when it comes to harming somebody physically or insinuating that we have to take these people out, we have to stop these people, we have to get them out of our society, that is, in, that is a potential borderline incitement of violence. To eliminate a group of people or to insinuate, insinuate that we need to get rid of a group of people, that is dangerous. And it's happened before in great detail. Okay, great detail. There are photos, there are videos, there are eyewitness accounts, there's physical structures that detail exactly this type of thinking. There isn't, sadly, there isn't enough of this detail available for what happened in, in the Soviet Union, but the same information applies to what happened in Germany. You have to understand, it goes both ways. But when you say, because you don't like a group of people, or you're told to say you don't like a group of people, that we need to get them out of the way, we need to leave them behind, we need to strip them from our society, now you're violating amendments. Now you're violating the Constitution, and now you're borderlining an incitement. You have to let maybe, you no, know, you have no choice. You have no choice but to allow people to make their own choices. That's how it works. That's how it works. Besides, it's way more fun to just argue with people who have different ideologies altogether because it's just more fun. We fucking Italians and Jews argue at the dinner table all day long anyways about the dumbest stuff. We can't see eye to eye on being eye to eye. We can't. We just can't. Doesn't mean we tear up the whole freaking playbook and say, the fuck it, I'm just going to go live in a cave. I'm pretty close to it at this point. I can't go any farther. I made it to the ocean. I, this, I mean, what am I going to do, live on the Isle of Shoals? I mean, I could. I'd give it a shot. But to know that there's a lot of fuckery about when it comes to politics, 
when it comes to the science community right now, when it comes to public universities and public opinion, to know that there's that much fuckery about in the news cycle, to know that there's that much fuckery about makes me seriously question people like Don Lemon's actual genuine... First of all, he's not a valuable person. His show is garbage. He has no viewership. The Joe Rogan experience is more has given out more information in the last six months about all sorts of topics than Don Lemon has done in his entire career. And for him to trash Rogan like that, and for him to say that 100 million people in the United States need to be left behind, needs to be questioned as incitement. And if CNN had any brains, which they don't, they would have Don Lemon consider his position. Or allow Don Lemon to actually speak his real mind and see what he's truly at. I just personally think because of he, he thinks of his, his, quote, oppressive privilege, that he gets to speak his mind or he gets to speak the company narrative in this way. But he has no, no real facts or no true data or no value system in which to be admirable about. He's just trash. And like Joy Behar and like fucking uh, all these other people, like the Cuomos, like the freaking de Blasios, like half of fucking Congress, and like the governor of California, they need to be put on the moon because it's leaving us. And they should go away as well. Maybe we'll have a little peace and quiet once they're gone. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk without listening to them screaming their heads off. But until they go away forever, let's go ahead and finish up with some Q&A for this week. All right. By the way, once again, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Anyways, let's go ahead and finish up with some Q&A this week. We'll be at 44 minutes. Ah. Uh, Carried away sometimes. I don't know what's matter with me. Anyways, should I continue my relationship with a man I just found out stalked me for a year before we met? I recently discovered that my boyfriend for almost two years, Adam, was stalking me for over a year before we met. For context, this is the best relationship I've ever had, and until recently, I would have told you that Adam was perfect for me. He is thoughtful, funny, caring, and so supportive. I was violently abused growing up, and all, all my relationships before Adam were with guys who hit me too. Adam has never been violent and encouraged me to see a therapist last year to help me through my trauma and internalized homophobia. I'm a gay man. Okay. We moved into together quite... Don't clip that. Um, we moved in together quite recently. Congratulations. It was when I was on his computer to print something that I found a file with my name on it. I did a search for my full name to quickly find the document I had sent over to print. And this other one came up as, a bar came up as buried within some folders of Adam's. The document had last been edited in 2019 before we met. I opened it, and it felt like that I'd stepped into a horror movie. It was full of information about me. Jobs, hobbies, friends, ex-boyfriends, favorite coffee shop, the place where we officially, quote, met, and what seemed to me like a cute coincidence. More chillingly, it contained details of my addresses and my ex-boyfriend's address. Adam walked in on me looking at it, and I just started yelling at him demanding to know what the hell this was. He stalled for a while and then admitted everything. He claims he st it started innocently enough with standard social media stalking, but just sort of escalated. He said he had never been obsessive about this obsessive about anyone else, which I think which I think I believe. As I met his ex in their perfectly cordial terms, his ex was friendly and certainly didn't mention anything on the lines of, by the way, he stalked me. I was deeply freaked out and panicked about Adam persuading me to stay. We were currently sleeping in separate rooms because I feel so weird about him right now. I wanted to talk to a friend, but he begged me not to, saying that they would understand that my friends um, shouldn't get a vote in our relationship. I know this is crazy of me, but I'm genuinely conflicted. I wish I'd never seen the document. Am I unbelievably stupid for even considering this, considering this not be a deal breaker? I feel trapped and crazy right now. Huh. Well, maybe if the relationship's going really well, I mean, might as well just stick it out and see what happens. I mean, there are far, cra there are far crazier people out there that have never met you before, never seen you before, until they bumped into you one day on Tinder or just at that coffee shop that are far crazier than this fucking guy who basically has your entire resume, and yet you guys are doing great together. Well, I guess he had a plan of attack, and it worked. So kudos to him. I mean, 
stick it out. I mean, obviously, if you want to talk about it with your friends, I think you have every right to. But he has the right to, he has to explain himself. He should, absolutely. But this might be the very most wrongest of, of, of advice. But hey, if the relationship's working really well and you guys are really happy and you don't feel like you're being, um, you know, set up for something completely dangerous and hazardous, whatever. Fuck it. Let it ride. Maybe he's just doing his homework and he got a little carried away. What, do we all of a sudden, you know, people who study for 27 hours straight, all of a sudden we think they're insane and psychopaths? Guy did a little homework on you. Wanted to see what you were all about. The dating scene is pretty crazy, you know? So this guy wanted to get his ducks in a row before he bumped into you in a coffee shop and, you know, decided to move ahead. He could have look, looked up all this information, did all of his homework, and then all of a sudden at the very end goes, you know what? This guy's a fucking lunatic. He's got terrible ex-boyfriends. And, uh, you know, he doesn't make his own money. He's actually kind of lazy. Maybe I shouldn't go bump into him in that coffee shop. And then you never know. And then it's all on you, bro. So you know what? Maybe you should reconsider. So, I don't know. I'm just looking at it from a different angle, and it kind of makes sense. So, hey, people do stupid shit. And maybe you're making it out to be more than it is. Then again, maybe you're not. But hey, things are working. Keep going. Move on to the next one. Why aren't my employees excited to attend our monthly all-staff meeting? No employees ever are. My management, and I'm going to prove it right here. My management team and I do a monthly company-wide meeting to show everybody the progress on current projects as a way of keeping everyone in touch with the direction of the office is going. Doing really well. Meetings aren't long, 30 minutes tops, but it seems like people are apathetic and have to be coddled, coddled to leave their desks. From what I've heard, people just want to do their work, and this is just a job after all. I want to grab them all by the shoulders and shake them. Don't they realize how lucky they are to be in a workplace that cares about their well-being, where everybody goes home at 6, unheard of in our industry? X? I'd expect our team to be passionate about their work, but does uh, that passion only thrive in stressful environments? Um, okay, look. Your management team, nobody gives a shit. Your management team, they see a better they see a better freaking uh, sum of money somewhere else, they're fucking bolting. These people, if they see uh, better money somewhere else or better hours, they're fucking bolting. Leaving home, leaving at six? Leaving at six is freaking... I mean, if I left work at six every single day, it'd be dark out. It'd be pitch fucking black. Okay? And I need to upgrade the headlights in my Mustang. I can't see shit right now with those new shadow lights I just put in. So... That being said, getting out at 6 sucks. Office meetings suck. Don't shake your coworkers. Understand, to them it is just a job, because maybe it is just a job. And how much do you pay them? You never said anything about that. Company-wide meetings nobody likes. And nobody will ever like company meetings. Company meetings are... I know it's only once a month, but guess what? It could be none a month. And that would be way better. They don't want to know what's going on with your current projects. They don't give a shit. It's just their job. Pay them well. Shut the fuck up and do your thing. If this, it sounds like you, you sound a little too corporate-y to me, and that makes me very uneasy. And that makes it very easy, because it makes me very uneasy. It makes me easy to talk shit about your stuff. So, that being said, nobody cares for good reason. Move on to the next one. Our get wedding guests post. To wear the same colors as the wedding party uh no but let's keep going while my husband and i were planning our wedding my now in-laws were overly interested in our wedding colors asking for swatches and updates and accent colors i was constantly fielding calls and texts from his five five siblings their spouses their kids and their parents my husband assured me that they just wanted to coordinate their outfits and the wedding colors seemed odd yes they arrived dressed like members of the wedding party but it didn't really bother me over the years, I've noticed that at every wedding, my large in-family dresses like dresses to match the wedding party. At times, they've been confused for members of the bride and groom's family in a wedding party. I've asked about it, and they seem like it's basic wedding etiquette, even to the point of acting like I make horrendous wedding faux pas when I don't. I feel it's a bit rude or presumptuous to wear the wedding colors when you are not in the wedding, unless specified in the invitation. My sister recently got engaged. My mother-in-law is already asking about her colors. My sister has already asked me to address the coordinating issue with them, so... 
they don't show up looking like members of the wedding party. How do I not? How do I approach the subject with them? They are all convinced that this is ab abysmally rude not to coordinate their attire with the wedding party. Um. No, keep your first of all. Your wedding colors, the bridal party, the bride and groom party, the people who stand up front and do all the stuff. They're they're the ones in charge of the colors. Now, if it's a, now you can say the theme. If it's like a Hawaiian-style wedding, or a Christmas-style wedding, or a blue-style wedding, or a barbecue-style wedding, or a relaxed wedding, that you can do. You can let them know the theme or the uh, attire, or uh, the attire hierarchy. Like it's business casual, or you can wear shorts, or uh, it's black tie event. You can let them know the theme. Once they realize the theme, they learn how to be creative to what fits their budget. Because that's also important. So, that being said, the bridal party, the colors, the actual theme and colors, is specifically for the people standing up front. And nobody else. Everybody else gets the theme, the bride and groom party get the colors. That's it. That's the rule. That's the rule. Okay? There's no other rules. That's how the tradition works. You got the colors for the people in the in the party, and then the theme for the people in the seats. That's how it works. And then, of course, you got the priests. They got their own thing going on. Next up. Is it selfish to have a 25th wedding... Excuse me. Did I say wedding? Who said anything about a wedding? Is it selfish to have a 25th anniversary party when my brother, who had a double wedding with me, got divorced? Wait, what? I'm going to have to read through this. I was married in a double wedding with my twin brother. Fast forward, my husband and I will tw celebrate our 25th anniversary in three months. My brother and his wife divorced 10 years ago. Our three adult children want us to have a big anniversary celebration, as do my husband and I. My brother says that... My brother says that it's since it would have been his anniversary too, I'm being selfish and insensitive to his feelings. Our mother agrees. Both said if we had a party, they will not attend. I think they are the ones being selfish. My husband and I have shared our share of hardships, but we worked and talked through them. I feel we deserve this celebration not only for us, but our, also our kids and friends. Yeah, have the fucking party. You have an idea how hard it can be to get through 25 years of marriage? children and hardships and it's you're not having a party to rub it in other family members faces you're having a party to celebrate the love and commitment and respect and hard work of a 25 year relationship 25 years together and happy and meaningful and loving you should absolutely, if you want to throw a party because you bought new fucking socks, you might as well throw a banger out there and get a roasted pig. Have a party for whatever reason. Have a party for whatever reason. We need more parties. We need more get-togethers. Let alone the fact that you and your husband have tolerated each other's fucking farts for the past 25 years. Come on! Have a blast! And if those people don't want to attend... Fuck them. We ought to lay them behind. All right, let's do one more, and then let's get out of here for the day. How can I tell my mom I don't like her landlady, alter ego, and I wish I haven't offered to pay rent? Not wanting to freeload, I suggest that my mom charge me rent. She seemed surprised. She said she'd get back to me on that. Later, she appeared in a rather formal outfit, and now she... What? And she and said she was now my landlady. Spelled out my rental rate in terms. It was higher than I had planned on. But she conveyed such an air of authority that I didn't argue. Later, when she was back to her normal self, I told her the rate was too high. The rent is too damn high. She stepped out and returned as the as the landlady and asked what the problem was. I explained that the rate was more than I can afford. She told me I either pay it or find somewhere else to live. I decided to forget about rent and hope my mom would also. However, I received notices of late rent eviction. Not caring to interact with her alter ego, I, hadn't, I haven't tried to talk with my mom about this. She's normally loving and supportive, but I'm afraid she'll transform into the landlady and kick me out. 
or possibly sue me for rent and late fees I already owe. Did I pass my mom a note explaining that I love her but I don't like her alter ego and can't afford the rate she's trying to charge me? I would have trouble finding another place to live and I regret ever mentioning rent. Ugh. Look, having trouble paying the uh pay having trouble finding somewhere else to pay rent and making in it being impossible to pay outward rent means that if you made just a few adjustments you could actually do it my suggestion to you is you make those adjustments because it's easy to, it is do, easy to do the less you have the easier it is to adjust it's like well i don't need that i don't need that and i definitely don't need that off it goes and then you're paying rent somewhere else, and you don't have your mom just as the fucking landlady. So, move out. Kick rocks. Get out. Just do whatever you can. Just pack your shit and leave. Don't make notes of it. Don't um, say anything. Oh, we're, I'm moving out. Don't get all authoritative. Just start looking for a place or for whatever, whatever it is, and just make your way quietly out the door. That's it. You're not in a contract. You're living with your mom. You basically just leave. That's it. You just pack your things and leave. That's it. If you don't like a situation, you just leave. That's it. You don't like it. You don't like your relationship. Leave. You don't like your job. Quit. You don't like your home. Move out. You don't like your shoes. Buy new ones. How can life be so fucking hard? You don't like the place. You figure it out. But you can't you can't afford your Amazon Prime because then you won't be able to pay rent. Get rid of your Amazon Prime. Figure it out. But my advice to you, definitely move out, go be an adult, and go live life somewhere else. Can't live, you can't live under that roof. It actually messes with your development. Truly, truly does. In the meantime, uh, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. TikTok, of course, positive sarcasm. YouTube, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and of course, Positive Sarcasm Reactions. I've dropped new videos on both of them. Go ahead and check them out. Like, subscribe, share, donate. PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Um, currently doing uh, one podcast a week. recording, um, And I think uh, probably going to stick to that for now. Still got a lot of work ahead of me. Still trying to. I'm still cycling back and forth between spending some time in the lakes region and reaching out to some of my friends and some of the other clients that I've worked with. And there's other stuff in the works that I'm trying to figure out, creating new content. I'm trying to pace everything so that I don't fucking have a full-blown uh, mental breakdown um, because I take my quality of work very seriously. The podcast is the one thing, the one thing that I can kind of just vomit out and just be like whatever whatever i have my notes i go to town i see what i can offer i see what information i can look up and then we go from there you just it's that streaming of consciousness and seeing what i can find out there this is the one thing but it does take time it does take research and it does take a solid hour to do this so no little goddamn respect in the meantime um like I said, like, subscribe, share, donate, questions, concerns, comments, email me, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here in the sandbox. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.